You are now tuned in on Radio Free Podcast. The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We welcome our listeners to the Post-Truth Podcast. Those of you who are new to our podcast, if I was you, I would consider it a little bit unusual to hear a podcast called Post-Truth and have it actually be a true Crisis Life Worldview podcast. But here's our thinking. It's probably very easy for you to see that People really don't cling to truth like they did 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Truth used to be like the foundation for living within your church, within your community, within your home. But that is not the case anymore. So we have called this era that we're going through post-truth. People are more interested in details about the truth than they are in embracing the truth. And that's what our podcast is all about. Today's message is called Investigating an Illusion. I just finished an illusion with the local people here. And even my wife was saying, I want to know how you did that. When did you put that apple in that bowl? It's a one-step illusion is what we call them. One-step illusions are the simplest illusions to perform unless you're not very good at setting up for your illusion. But I want to talk about some of the tricks of the trade that an illusionist will use. Now here's one thing that we need to keep in mind. Illusionists are masterful manipulators of attention. If you could just picture in your mind right now, you're watching a magician on stage. He has two hands like most people. So when you have the left hand holding the bunny, left hand holding the hat, left hand holding some kind of object. Once in a while, he doesn't have anything in that hand, which is most effective, by the way. Just the movement of the hand the people are automatically beginning to think he's going to do something with that hand. While that hand is moving around or magic dust is coming out from those gloves or whatever their little technique is, could be the wand, his hand is active on the object on the table. Most illusions are set up way in advance and so he is having to do very little with the actual illusion on the table. Very simple. It's not strenuous unless you're trying to disappear the Statue of Liberty or something. Then it might be a little more tricky, so to speak. It's always a simple twist of capturing the attention of the audience. That's all it is. So a true good illusionist has done their homework and they've mastered the art of manipulating people's attention. Orators are known for that. The original use of an orator back in the day was a preacher or a prophet or a teacher standing up there speaking in such a way that he is overpowered by a spirit. Now you and I certainly hope that's the Holy Spirit. But Evan is correct. It is a spiritual term. 
See, the same thing is in the world of illusionists and magicians. You have magicians who simply master the art of the sleight of hand. They don't really study that much about the sleight of the mind. An illusionist, on the other hand, has got to study the sleight of mind and then be good at the sleight of hand. But since an illusionist usually sets their illusion up well in advance, it takes very little of sleight of hand. Do you get that? Because the illusion is in place. Now, people have false illusions. They have real illusions just as a daily normal experience. As Evan said a few minutes ago, what about daydreaming? We talked about, in our group discussion time, about mentally challenged people who have hallucinations. And we talked about how those dreams that you would normally have when you're asleep are entering into your reality during the day, and that is what classifies hallucination. But in these words themselves, even from the original context, there is illusion, light, Alluge, illuminate, illusion. Everything is based on light. And so therefore, if you're going to create a real powerful act of illusion, you're going to make use of light and darkness. What color is the tablecloth usually sitting on the table of a magician or an illusionist? Black. Black. What color is the bunny? White. What color is the dove coming out of the hat? creating extreme contrast between light and darkness. They used to wear white gloves with black tuxedo. What this does in the human mind is it creates what they call neural blindness. And neural blindness is created through extremes. What happens when you're driving down the road, the sun gets in your eyes, and what happens? You crash. <laughs> What's the first thing you reach for? The visor. Let's get that out of my eyes. And then even after it's out of your eyes and you look around the vehicle, what do you see? Nothing. Yeah, nothing for a moment. That is neural blindness. Now, neural blindness can be stimulated by hearing. Neural blindness can be stimulated by sight, and neural blindness can be stimulated by stress. There's your basics. Keep all this in mind as we talk about the greatest illusionist known to the universe. Who might that be? Satan. He himself is called the great magician, the dark magician the great deceiver, the master deceiver. Deception is just nothing more than creating an illusion. That's all that it is. Jane was earlier talking about when we asked, what is the greatest illusion each of you saw here? Jane brought up this story when an illusionist disappeared me on stage. You know, I don't know if I told her some of the tricks of the trade or not, but even if I would have told you how this illusionist did it, you would still wonder what happened to me on stage. 
It was that classy. Now there were 13 steps I had to learn in the illusion. 13, I showed you one. You would add 12 more onto that for me to disappear Shannon behind the black drape. With no escape route, by the way. I didn't go anywhere. I was still center stage the whole time. How does one do this? We create neural blindness. Neural blindness is a, is a true science. We have different parts of our brain that are designed by God, by our creator, to take impact, and it creates what they call a convolution when it's done, and that is a what? A wrinkle in the in the brain. So the older you get, and they do, you know, autopsy on you, you know, after you die and you're 85 years of age, what's that brain going to look like? Really wrinkled. Really wrinkled. And then when you have to do, God forbid, but you have to do a biopsy on a baby who is eight months old, and you look at that brain, and what do you have? You have a few forbids. That's all you got. This is life, folks. This is science, and this is how it works. You start out with very few forbids, and as you begin to go through life and deal with all of life's stresses, and you deal with the constant squinting of light, you deal with the constant harboring of noise, and, 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 all the way until you're 85 years of age, and you die, and they cut you, you open, and they look at your brain, and they go, Wow. Look at this brain. wonder why it's got so many wrinkles. Well, a person who does not understand science is not going to know. But a person that understands the basic of how neuroscience works is not only going to know, they will actually be able to make a very safe, immediate evaluation of that human brain to see how active it was through the years. Within the brain, there are these... Some people refer them to as points of light. It is where the brain actually has to do a lot of work to make this impact, to create this convolution, this wrinkle. You can't have a wrinkle unless something's going to impact it. So if I take you through a potential, I'm going to murder you, and I hold a gun at your head for an hour and you're really, truly afraid that I am crazy enough to pull that trigger, I can guarantee you that that part of your brain is going to be affected the rest of your life. And every wave that comes over that part of your brain is going to incite this fear of never wanting to be in a closed room again, never wanting to to be around guns, never wanting to hear loud bangs, Never wanted, you see what it does? Okay, I'm giving you the methodology of how Satan works. It's called association. Satan can accomplish more through association than he can through the direct trauma that creates the initial dent. I hope you got what I just said. 
It is the relooping of fear that creates the greatest trauma and aging of the human brain than it does the initial trauma. And this is why there are martyrs who have been tied to a stick with fire burning under them, like Polycarpus. How many times did they try to burn him? Seven times! And the man wouldn't burn. I'd like to have some of the fabric he had on his robe. But he wouldn't burn. Can you imagine the trauma of being tied and beaten and then torched and still not dying? I know that I know when I meet Polycarp. He is one of the men I want to spend time with. I've done as much study as the internet would allow me to do on finding details about Polycarp. And he was one real man of God. Guess who discipled him? John the Beloved. That's why I'm doing the series on John. Because of my love for Polycarp. How he turned out. You see, that trauma awakened him and Peter and John and all the others that said, martyr me. Because they knew that martyr meant make a witness out of me. So the trauma itself is not devastating. It is what happens when the trauma takes place. This is where the great illusionist works. See, Satan knows that he can't perform his black magic, which is these dark forces tantalizing you. Is any of that going on in the world? For we do not fight flesh and blood, but we fight powers of darkness, prince of... That means authorities in the air. Principalities are rulers, are governors in the air. So I'm basically disclosing to you that if you're a person of fear, which we did an entire study on that whole fear thing, got few transformations out of the deal, but I'm here to tell you, the whole study on fear is to show you what happens after the the indent was made and then what the enemy does with the relooping. So if I started freaking out every time I saw fire because I was tied to a stake with a few rocks thrown at me and every time I walked by fire I would I would like have this fear response and step back who was the successful one? Satan. Satan. He finds far more pleasure in his illusion of you being bound by fear because of the illusion than the initial time he slapped you, impacted you. Had someone hold a gun to your head, a knife to your throat. You say, those are the traumatic experiences in my life. Are you kidding me? The most traumatic experiences in your life is your submission to fear. You see, this is the illusion. So you see, as as Satan is working his trick, 
He wants you to look at the fact that, Polycarp, you're afraid of fire because, you know, I had you tied to a post and I lit a fire underneath you and you remember what that felt like? Remember the heat? Remember the stones hitting your head? See, what Satan does not want Polycarp to realize is that this is the, he's the real deal. He's the real fruit of the Spirit. And every thought you have is challenged to make an impact on your brain again. It isn't being burned at the stake. Polycarp knew that. Paul knew that. John knew that. Peter knew that. And I can quote a bunch of modern persecuted ones if you want. Their transformation stories are not about them sliding razor blades under their fingernails. That's expected. Their power is in the testimony that came from the persecution. That's the power. So that's why I was saying to Deborah earlier, she's thinking deep all right on this topic. But see, the real meat of the gospel is not in being willing to be persecuted for Christ's sake. It's the testimonies that come out of the impact that Satan tried to use to destroy you. It is enduring to the end Polycarp, who had to be burned, stabbed, and beaten before God said, now you can come home. I wanted them to understand something. No persecution kills my people. No fire touches my people until I say it does. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't even smell like smoke, let alone have to clean off the Krispies. Because God said, no. Nope. But see, what Satan has done in his illusion to go, aren't you afraid of people making fun of you? Aren't you afraid of people not listening to you? Aren't you afraid of... You see what he does? And then pretty soon we feel down and gloomy and whatever. And I'm here to tell you today, all you're doing is submitting to a very clever illusionist. I like Rad and Chef, Meshach and Abednego to be my firefighters. Yeah, me too. <laughs> now, let's take this in its final leg. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that there's a big difference between an illusionist and a magician. Now I'm also going to break magician up. There is a difference between a magician and a magician practicing what they call dark magic, black magic. A magician who is using dark forces, magic, Black magic 
are inviting unseen. You cannot see them. Unseen forces into your act. I've seen these with my own eyes. In fact, I've literally had to rebuke some spirits that people were using in martial arts. Because I saw it with my spiritual eyes, they were inviting in dark forces. Magicians do the same thing. Pharaoh did the same thing. This is not a new practice. This is not, oh my God, I've never heard this before. Well, you're not reading your Bible. Because black magic has been around since Satan. Because it is his force being manifested through a person the same way the Holy Spirit manifests itself through you. There's no difference in manifestation. There's a difference in whose spirit that is. So does Satan have a spirit? Well, of course he does. It's his life. It's his being. It's his function. Can you see him? No, you cannot. I had a pastor say to me this past week, he is probably the most stable theologian I trust. But I don't ask normal questions normally. I wanted to know what he thought of the end times when the Bible is clear about these beings floating around and being half people and half beast and all that, you know. Do you think that's symbolic or do you you really think that's going to happen? Now, I was a bit surprised. Because the conservative theologians say that's symbolic. As they would say about the book of Revelation. But it wasn't his reply. He said, no, all of the great illusions that you're seeing today through video gaming and movies and animation and blah, blah, blah are a setup for when God allows the two worlds to intersect with each other. Where reality and illusion are one vision. I said, that is exactly what I believe. But... You think that's going to sell if we write a book about it together? No, it will not. Because, see, Satan has to keep the two of these apart to do the illusion. He doesn't put the two together until it's the proper time. So you see, the talk of this graven imagery coming out in video games and your movies and your, your, all these entertainers are just simply providing illusions for you. And if you want to try to argue this point with me, you're going to lose. There's too much proof. But you can argue it with me at 602-292-2982 because I would like to prove to you you are wrong. There are illusions being propagated around you all day long, every day. Video games, computers, websites, they're propagating illusions. Your favorite movie is probably a propagated illusion. So he's keeping it separate. Games, fun, movie, video game. Look, everyone. Do you know how clever a good animator is? 
Do you know that they can create animations that look so much like people that children cannot tell the difference? That's what's happening. And so the whole world is looking at this, this illusion, which is real science. Animation is not just an art, it's a science. It's computer science. Now Satan knows the day is coming where God will take the veil off. Then he'll put it down here. Do you understand that? Now you're walking around the earth seeing beast, human combinations and stuff in the air and the, all this stuff that we were able to call it what Satan was holding in his right hand while he didn't want anyone to see what was under the black drape over here and it's God's reality. God is going to let you see the demonic world someday whether you're a believer or you're going to hell. You will see Satan's illusion. No one will escape this. Not even Christ. He had to see a world that has never been disclosed to us. And as an indwell believer, enduring to the end, I will never have to see that depth of darkness. But those who think they're saved and they're not, and they're just so stubborn that they're damned stubborn, meaning damned stubborn, they just won't look at it, they won't take the warnings, they won't, they won't review, they won't go talk to their pastors to make sure I'm not one of the damned. Yeah, those are the ones I'm talking about. You will get to see the depths of Satan's greatest illusion someday. No one will escape this. So even if we're on heaven's side, we don't get to see the darkest of the dark. We're going to get to see this world. We're not get the details of what we've been delivered from are not going to be hidden from us. We'll get to see light and darkness one more time before God takes this earth, pulls it out from underneath the black drape, and he tosses the earth into outer darkness forever. 602-292-2982. Now, to get the world to this point, I finish with this point. The bowl of fruit is real fruit. Real grapes, real apples, etc. The plastic peach is the post-truth church. The real meal deal is the bowl of fruit. The authentic, indwelt body of Christ. Can you guys think, outside of Jesus, of course, and Satan doesn't have to be, deal with God directly, not quite yet, he, he will, but not quite yet. He's got a lot of freedom to be a magician today. 
But if you have this authentic bowl of fruit, and I tell you that I'm holding a plastic peach, but they look exactly the same, which was the old idea of my illusion this morning. How many of you automatically will believe me? So we go back to our illustration. I want to ask you a science question. If I could eat these grapes and they're fresh, how'd the juice get in them? Well, God created them that way. No, he didn't. He created a piece of science that gives us this result that we get to enjoy, which ultimately he created it. So did God create grapes? Of course he created grapes. Well, didn't he create this plastic stuff too? So therefore we can say God created the formula to make life. God created the formula to make darkness. God's the one that put Satan on a formless planet. God's the one that created this dark space he's going to throw the entire earth into someday. So everything is according to God's design. But when it comes to fruit, the reason why there's juice inside these grapes is because that juice was fed into the vine... And the vine was obedient to the formula, which resulted itself in fruit that we get to eat. Now, this plastic peach may look exactly like the real peach in the bowl. And holding it and keeping this thing moving, no one really here is able going to be discerned. Is this going to be one that he eats too or not? Because your mind is wanting to say, see, and is believing not the facts. And if I tell you this, this is real and this is fake and you are sitting there going, I can't tell the difference. You only have one choice is listen to the one who's speaking to you. And Satan knows this trick. I'm telling you. We start gathering teachers that tickle our ears and entertain us versus tell us the truth. So when Paul comes along to say to Timothy, I want to give you a little warning here. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrines. They're going to want to have their ears tickled, entertained. The newer translations I looked at, it used the word entertained. The original ones, the tickled was to be less offensive, to be comfortable. You know, you want to listen to speakers that are comfortable. That is not a good sign in your mind. I'm just telling you today, it's not a good sign. Because that is what the world is used to. You need separation of light and darkness, evil and good, demonic and Holy Spirit. You need someone separating because we're living in a culture today where we can't endure sound doctrines anymore. So here's how I paraphrase this verse. 
The original is, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but waiting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. You uh, Greek-loving people, I want to encourage you to look up myths. I would prefer in the Strong's. And what you're going to see is magician, magi. You're going to see something that is more of the illusion. So here's how I paraphrase this for our illustration. For a time will come when they will not endure absolute doctrines. But after their own lustful opinions, they store up for themselves magicians, needing to have their ears tickled. They shall turn away from the authentic church and shall turn to the illusions in the left hand of the magician. So I leave you with this. In the left hand of Satan, he has the post-truth church that the majority and the lion's share of all the observers are looking in the left hand of Satan. While he has a firm grasp on the authentic church, it's a bowl filled with juicy fruit that will nurture other people. And the stuff in his hand is fake, it's plastic, it's of darkness, it's a lie, it is Satan's church. The church of the harlot. Many warnings given to us about this harlot. And meanwhile, he's waiting for the right moment where he removes the authentic church from the table and he puts the post-truth global one world religion on the table. He takes that piece of fruit and lays it in that bowl of plastic fruit. And he pulls off the black drape and what do you see? This beautiful bowl of luscious fruit that you can't even bite into because it has no life. This, my listener, is what the enemy is doing with his illusions. If you think that You have watched, been entertained, or in my case, worked with one of the best illusionists in the world and think that they're good. As Janie says, I was a part of one of these great illusions and literally disappeared from three separate stages and reappeared. Can you imagine how good Satan is? At illusions. And to think that illusions come from light. To think that the word vision comes from this root word. Dreams come from this root. And it goes on and on and on. There's something really significant about the need for you to investigate your illusions. You're going to have to investigate them. 
like a detective. And you lazy listeners, which most of you are, you won't investigate it. You might even listen to this podcast one or two times because you thought it was very unique. But you won't investigate darkness. I am not talking about studying the details of darkness. I'm talking about studying light so that you understand when you walk into a dark room, it's a dark room and someone needs to turn on the light. So why shouldn't that be you? Instead of wandering around in the room and the people in the room thinking you're just no different than they are. Part of the illusion Satan has created in your life. I will not be one of these. I will be loud, write loud, preach loud, sing it loud, because people today need to separate light from darkness. 602-292-2982. Stay with us in our upcoming podcast because we have a little mini-series we're doing on this. This illusion thing we just talked about today is just opening the gates, but we're going to be dealing with Christianized feminism, Christian transgenders, Christian homosexuals, Christian worldview people, Christian churches. We are going to tackle the term Christian and really dice it up to find out where the darkness is located and where the light is, if there is any light in it to start with. So stay with us in future podcasts of the Post-Truth Podcast. Stand out and stand together by uniting passion with purpose. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.